This morning, as you see by the title, I want to talk to you about being a soldier. But with what he just said and what was presented to us about the Reformation, I want to ask a question. And this is kind of a loaded question because it should hit us all. How many of you in here have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews? You know somebody in your family that's a kid. Guess what? If you raised your hand, God has called you to be a soldier. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I really believe in the day and time we're living in, we as adults have a call to ministry. Because we have a group of young people, and I hear all the time, and I want to encourage you a little bit, because I have a background in both private and public school system. I've worked for about 20 years now in the private Christian school settings. I have worked for about 15 years in public school settings. And I want you to know, in all my time, I keep hearing, especially about public school, well, we took the Bible out of public school. We can't pray in public school. We can't bring God. We can't talk about Him. Can I tell you? You can. You can. Now, let me tell you boldly and politely, sometimes it's hard. But you can. Can I tell you? I can tell you right here in Culpeper, at both of our high schools, I'm familiar with the high schools. I'm not super familiar with the junior highs and elementaries just yet. But I know at the high schools, we have lots of Christians roaming the halls. As teachers as coaches, as leaders. And I want you to know that at their schools, did you know that one of the schools, every Tuesday and Thursday, there's a Bible study that goes on? Did you know that? I love it. It happens in a classroom setting where a teacher's in there with a group of kids teaching them the Word of God. Where I came from in Texas, the, the, the public school that I was at there, the last time I was there, we started Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and while we were there, I was told by the administration to start Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the school. Well, when we got there, the first day, we made one announcement, the first day of school, that's the only announcement that was ever made. And when we showed up to the meeting place, we called it the fishbowl. It was kind of a partial spiral staircase at the end of the building. And it was the only place big enough in the building that we thought we could hold everybody without utilizing classroom space or whatever that teachers would need to start getting set up. We get there the first day, and all of a sudden, when I do the closing prayer, I'm attacked by about 10 teachers. And they come to me and they say, Coach, you can't meet here anymore. And I thought, oh man, here we go. I said, what are you talking about? Coach, I'm sorry, there's no way. You can't meet there. What's going on? Coach, there were kids down the hallway because you didn't have enough room in that spot. There were kids sitting down the hallway and there, there's no way they heard you, but they wanted to be there. Oh, okay. So I went to the administrator. I said, hey, where do we meet? And he said, tell you what. Go to the gym next week. We made no announcement about the change in location. We went to the gym. After the gym was over, the 
the, the teachers came back to me again. They said, Coach, we can't meet here. I said, what are you talking about? This is plenty big enough. They go, the echo in here is terrible, and nobody heard a single thing you said, but they all said amen at the end. <laughs> okay. I went back to the administrator. I said, hey, where do we meet? He said, Coach, try the weight room. I was at a public junior high. Our weight room was brand new. And I've been to some colleges that don't have a weight room as big as that one. It was a 5,000 square foot weight room. Fully stocked. Big enough that when we had our Veterans Day program, we had six six-seat golf carts donated to help veterans get to the, to the door. Well, it was supposed to rain, so we parked all six of them in the weight room with the fully stocked weight room and still had room for people to be in there. It was huge. Well, we meet there. Again, no announcement of change of location. We had a crowd so big they had to leave the doors open in the weight room for people to stand outside the door. But we discovered that was the best place for us to meet. The last time we, we met, we had 464 students come on a Thursday morning before school. No donuts, no coffee, no music, no lights, just a stinky, nasty weight room and a 10 to 15 minute devotional before school. That turned into what we called Fields of Faith on a Wednesday night. It was one Wednesday in the month of October where we rented the high school stadium for one night. Thirteen churches came together in the high school parking lot, provided food and drinks for the kids right after practices so that they could come to the stadium, get fed, then go in. We had worship by one of the churches that provided worship. Then we had a sermon that first time we met we had 400 young people come to Christ. Y'all, we need soldiers in the army of the Lord. We need people to realize that there is a true and genuine calling going out that we need to understand that it's our job as church, as Christians, to do something that's uncomfortable and that surrender to the call. If you look, there's some quotes, one by, I think most of us know of him, George Patton. He says, the soldier is the army. No army is better than its soldiers. The soldier is also a citizen. In fact, the highest obligation and privilege of citizenship is that of bearing arms for one's country. Giuseppe Garibaldi, an Italian patriot, said, Imagine this call going out to you. I offer neither pay, nor quarters, nor food. I offer only hunger, thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. Let him who loves his country with his heart and not merely his lips follow me. Whew. How would you like that? I got nothing for you. Follow me. What a call. Huh. I think there's somebody else we know that was sort of like that. I got nothing, but you'll get everything if you'll follow me. Jesus Christ said that, didn't he? If you look, being a soldier implies some things. One, we're followers. Did you know a good soldier 
is a good follower? Can I tell you? As leaders, even as you get to be maybe in the position of a commanding officer as a general eventually or an admiral or depending on what branch of service you're in, when you get to that highest rank and that highest call in there, can I tell you, if you're doing your job and doing it well, you're still a follower. You're still following somebody. Now, hopefully you already catch the drift because, I mean, we are in church. Who are we following? Now, I know the church answer is, well, we follow Christ. Be careful. Do you? Do you really? Is that really the honest answer? If I were to follow you around during the week, would I get that same feel by what you do, what you say, where you go, what you read, how you pray, when you pray, if you pray, what you listen to on the radio, what you talk about in the car? Would we get that same feeling that, you know, if anybody in the church followed you around for a week, would we, would we say, oh yeah, you follow Christ, no doubt about it. A good soldier is a good follower. It implies relationship. In order to be a soldier, you have to enlist in the service. What does the Bible say in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? For by grace we are saved through faith. It's by grace. Do you understand that the Reformation, what Martin Luther, what he really tried for, what he really tried to emphasize was a very simple message. Grace and grace alone through Christ and Christ alone. There was no other way and there still is no other way to heaven but through him. A good soldier has a relationship first. The relationship should be founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be through the blood of Jesus that we come to him and we enlist in the service. It implies a rank. There's always somebody higher than you. What a humbling thought too, right? There's always somebody more powerful. There's always somebody to answer to. You know, it's funny because people like to think because I have the title, and I have a real fancy title, by the way. They call me the head of school. Sounds really fancy, right? All that means is I'm the first one. Y'all, I, I am one of the very few men in the building. So what that implies as head of the school is everybody knows who to come to to say, yes, ma'am. That is the only correct response. You understand no matter who you are, what your title is, there's somebody bigger, somebody more powerful, somebody that you still answer to. Because guess what? As the head of school, it's not just me. Thank God I have board members that are men of God, that stand on the Word of God, that pray fervently. We get together and make the decisions of the school. You understand there's always somebody 
to answer to. There's always somebody that ranks over you. And what we need to understand as children of God is that God is the commanding officer. God is the one in charge of what we do, of what we say. God is the one that we answer to, that we have a responsibility to follow. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says in verse 10, it says, uh, sorry, not 610, 619. I got new glasses and whoo, they're rough. It says, do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Did you see that? You were bought with a price. You were bought because you couldn't afford the debt that you owed. So he bought you at a price. And then it ends with, therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. What does that mean? What you do. It means how you take this word and apply it to your life. A good soldier is a follower, and that implies rank. It also implies rule. In the army of God, we have the honor. Notice that word. It's an honor to obey Him, not an obligation. It's an honor to get to surrender our will to His. You understand the call that Christ gave to the disciples, simply, hey, follow me. Still goes out to us today, right? We also need to understand that if we refuse to live for God, we've crossed over from being a follower to a traitor. Wow. That's something we didn't want to think about today, right? But we've crossed over. What does it say in James? If we know to do good, but choose not to do it, it is, boy. And guess what? I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. Sin is, in fact, a choice. We choose to do it. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Really? I love when we apologize to somebody and in the, in the apology we almost have to lie, don't we? Well, I didn't mean to. Uh, yeah, you did. It was a choice. Boy, that's no fun, is it? James tells us if we know what we're supposed to do and do the opposite, it's a sin. It's, it's wrong. Well, you understand that as followers of Christ, if we're in his army, we need to know that as our commanding officer, he is faithful. Now, we also need to know that we need 
to be faithful. We need to be faithful in his service. My dad, he enlisted in the army. He has a really cool story in the army. When he enlisted, he went to basic training. Have any of you ever been there, basic training? By the way, thank you for your service. But my dad's basic training, I bet, is totally opposite of what you experienced. He got to basic training. When he got there, his commanding officer, his drill sergeant, shows up and says, Gentlemen, I'm retiring in two weeks. I don't care what you do. Just don't do anything that gets me in trouble. For the first two weeks of basic training, they did nothing. Well, the next guy shows up, the next drill sergeant, to start week three. He comes and he says, men, my wife is expecting our baby any minute. We have to do a march with your weighted backpacks. And he says, I don't have time to put into training all of you because I don't know when my wife is going to call. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to put your weights in your backpacks. You're going to march outside the gates of the, the compound. And about a quarter mile down the road, I've got a supply truck waiting to pick you up. It's going to take you to the back of the, to the, back of the compound. It's going to drop you off about a quarter mile away. You're going to run through those gates. You're going to fall out like I just about killed you. And you're just going to pant and breathe like you've never breathed before. And you're going to make everybody believe that that's what we did. If so, help me. If any one of you doesn't convince the others that that's what we did, you'll regret it. That's what they did. Drove around to the back side of the compound, got dropped off a quarter mile, ran in like they had just run, you know, a marathon with weighted backpacks, fell out. That was his basic training. From there, he was sent. And, and this is what we call truly suffering for Jesus, right? He was sent to Hawaii, was where he was stationed. But you know what he found when he went to Hawaii? Thank God my dad got in with a couple of buddies that were sold out Christians. And they started to go to church together. You understand there's somebody bigger than you and you also understand he's faithful. And he calls you to be faithful. You see, he's patient. The soldier does not give in in the presence of adversity. You ever felt like giving up? I heard today in the prayer Lord, let them not grow weary in well-doing. Why? What does the Bible say? For in due time, what happens? They'll gather what they sowed. They'll reap, right? They'll get their rewards. You understand that we are called to be patient. We're called to serve and not give in. You also need to understand that pain is, unfortunately, Part of the process we go through in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. Any of you ever run a marathon? Anybody? Oh, I am so sorry. Lord bless you. Um, you know, I, what I've always been told is for those that train for marathons, when they get to the marathon, you would think because of the training, it's easy. What I've been told by everybody that's ever run a marathon, and check this, because this is what I've always been told, at some point in the race, no matter how much training you've gone through, you hit a wall moment. Where your body says, it's done, it's over, stop, please, right here, just crawl to the side of the road and let somebody pick you up. Is that about true? But the true marathon runner runs through the wall moment and is able to endure the race and get to the end. You understand that sometimes as Christians we hit a wall moment that God has brought us to and it's not for us to quit, it's for us to endure and look to Him for our help, our guidance, our support so that we can continue to run the race that He's put before us. We have priorities. A good soldier knows that anything that interferes with his objective must be eliminated. Honoring and glorifying Jesus should be our top priority. Y'all look, I'm going to tell you, Satan wants nothing more than to destroy the church. And you know how he's doing it? Through family. Can I encourage you? If you as a church are doing your job, you are one huge family supporting, encouraging, lifting one another up so that as you go through life together, you can honor and glorify God together. And as things enter into the family that shouldn't be there, what does the Bible say? Use his word to bring up and say, hey, come on, you shouldn't be doing that. Let that go. Put it aside. Put it away. Move on. Right? A good soldier is focused on doing his job well. He will not do anything to bring reproach on his superior. Who is our superior? Jesus Christ, right? Do you understand that in the book of Acts, we see the church for the first time called Christians? Do you know what Christian means? Little Christ or Christ-like. So when you put on the name of Christ, be careful not to do anything that's going to bring reproach or shame to Him. Right? You understand that that should be our practice to do our job well and to make sure that His name is constantly glorified. A good soldier is familiar with the sound of the commander's voice. What does the Bible say in the Gospels? Especially in the book of John. 
My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, right? And they know it, I heard somebody say. Do you know what else it says? It also says in that same passage that they do not listen to the voice of a stranger. Hmm. You understand, it's our job to know our commander's voice. I had a basketball game one time that I was coaching. I had a kid that, <clears throat> he got fouled pretty hard. And it was one of those fouls that a lot of times would start a fight. And this boy was kind of my enforcer on the team anyway. Well, he gets up off the floor and I just, I thought, oh, here we go. And when he got up, I simply yelled out, Roger. He instantly turned his head and said, don't do it. Okay, coach. Do you know after the game, I discovered that several of the people in the crowd said, we, coach, we were hollering for him. We were trying to get him to stop. We were... But you know who he looked at? Me. He knew my voice. He looked at me. You understand, we got to know the voice of our commanding officer. The one question I get asked over and over and over again is, how do I know when God is speaking to me? Can I give you a real simple answer? You'll know that he's the one speaking to you. When you're the one listening. It shouldn't be somebody else coming to you saying, Hey, God told me da-da-da-da-da for you. Have you been listening? What is God telling you? Listen to His voice. I guarantee you He's speaking. As a matter of fact, if you were to look at the book of Samuel, you'll see that when the, the, the night that Samuel was called several times by God, you'll find a little nugget in there that says, God spoke to Samuel at a time when no one was listening. Wow. Skill of using his weapons will, will have that the Christian soldier must know that they're engaged in a mortal combat. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, what does it say over and over and over again in that little short section? Put on the full armor of God. Right? We've got to know what those pieces of the armor are. We've got to know how to use them. We've got to know what they're there for. We've got to know that they're there for our protection. And if you notice what each piece of the armor is, each piece is God-given for us to put on, right? Strategy of the enemy. We have to understand and study the methods of the enemy to know his weaknesses. We need to be wise to the ways of the devil. The soldier must keep in mind Jesus is greater than the enemy. In 1 Peter 5, 8, this is one of my all-time favorite verses in the Scripture, and it's going to sound weird when I first tell you what the verse is if you don't know it. But 1 Peter 5, 8 says, 
Be alert, be vigilant. For your enemy, the devil, is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's your favorite verse. You know why? Because if you weren't careful, you overlooked a very important word in that passage. It says, the enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion. You understand, the devil has always been a counterfeiter. He'll never be the lion of the tribe of Judah. He can only go around acting like one. Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah that one day when the lion lays down with the lamb, we'll all be together in glory with him. You understand that this is a strategy that we must understand and know. We also need to know that the soldier is a fighter. The soldier does not give up no matter how difficult the circumstances may be. If you look at the life of Paul, you'll see over and over and over again the things that he endured, the things that he went through, the things that constantly challenged him, yet he continued to fight and persevere through the circumstance so that towards the end of his life he could say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished. Wow. And I have kept the faith right you're determined he's driven the good soldiers committed to see the battle to the finish they know that they must keep serving and fighting until they are called home a good soldier is dedicated keeps the faith by living sharing and defending it at all times y'all i don't know if you have any clue of what's going on in our world today but we better be defending our faith right now. A good soldier is a finisher. He has resolve. The soldier is in it for the duration of the battle. He does not give in at the first sign of trouble. He has a reason. The Christian soldier knows the price that was paid to make a way for him to join the army. John fifteen thirteen. Anybody know it? Oh, I hear you, I hear you, Sharon. Can you say it a little louder? Greater love has no man than this. Then a man laid down his life for his friends. You know what verse 14 starts with? You are my friends. If you do whatever I've commanded you. You understand. We have a reason to join the army jesus christ has already paid our ransom and we also need to know that a good soldier has his reward the soldier who joins the army and stays in the battle will have his reward when he gets to meet his superior face to face the day that we finally get called home and we get to stand before god and we get to see jesus in all of his glory and we get to start worshiping with those around the throne of god what a day that'll be let me finish with this. There's a very powerful poem that was written titled, I Am a Soldier. The author's unknown, 
but it says this, I am a soldier in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Spirit is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army and am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered for. I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my need. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from his battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I am a soldier in the army and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me? Y'all, it's time to be soldiers in the army of God. And not to back down in face of adversity that we face every day. Stand true in the test of time. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for calling us to a point of service to be able to serve you in your army. God, I pray that you would help us to first enlist, to receive the blood of Jesus Christ for ourselves. God, to just accept you as the commanding officer. God, I pray that you would just speak to us today and help us to listen. In your name I pray, amen.